And so I've, I've just been trying to like <laughs> do all that. Hi, yes. everybody. I think we're live. Um, <laughs> Barry and I were just talking in the pre-show about uh, geeking out about our own personal data. Um, I have gone in and uh, started logging all my food with a lot of different parameters. And I have a full dashboard on... Um, which I've got to say, I, I, I think is very impressive. I think that if you've got to have all that data, you might as well make it look pretty. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. One, one of my things this year is to go and visit. So Wales, where I, I live in the UK, has lots of castles, a lot of castles. And so in order to learn about where, because uh, we only moved to Wales, what, four years ago. Um, in order to learn about it, I was like, right, I want to go and visit a castle. We started off with a castle a month. So I wanted to visit 12 castles in the year. And then lockdown happened. And um, and so for two years, I, we just didn't visit any. I think we visited one. And so this year, I've gone like, right, we're going to do it. We're going to do 52. I'm going to do one castle a week. 52 castles we're doing. And so I've got a spreadsheet. I've got a spreadsheet of all the castles that there are in Wales. And I'm going to mark them off when I when I've visited them. And But I haven't got a cool dashboard. Like I've got, because Excel will do some mapping now, some mapping data. Um, so I need to play with that a little bit. But um, I need to have a funky dashboard of maybe like visit, time per visit, quality of visit. Um, did I like the castle? Um, was it a ruin? Um, all that type of thing. Yeah. We've been to, there's one day we went to two castles and one in the morning it was um, literally, it was the core, what, a small stumpy corner left of a castle. And he was like, that's not much of a castle. But it obviously was a castle and all that sort of stuff. And then went to another Checking one. Checking off the list, yeah. Yeah. So we, we did, I, I had a twofer. Um, so I mean, I'm, I've got a, a stock of um, castles. That I, so I do, there's like one more. I, di I didn't go last weekend because of work. Work was really busy, and this weekend work's going to be really busy. So I'll have used up my um, my, my backlog. I'm going to have to get some more castles in. But there we go. But yeah, so more data dashboarding. We like data yes, dashboarding. Yes. Yes. You know what? I should probably show it for everyone watching here, just in case. Like here's here's my data dashboard. Um, there's some probably some revealing information here. Uh, I, yeah, I, guess, can probably, I guess all your passwords from that. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> so you know, for for people listening later, patrons, um, I I can <laughs> I can make this available for you, but I'd recommend just checking out the video uh, if you can because it's it's kind of cool. Um, I like I said, I've, I'm really proud of this dashboard um, with all my data, and right now I'm only looking at like what five days of data or something like that. So it's not that much. But this yeah. this came because uh, my therapist was like, "Hey, you should probably log all your food," <laughs> and I was like, "You're probably right." Did, probably did they ask you to log all the parameters, or have you just gone human factors crazy and and said, "Oh, I know, I can measure all of this, all of this"? Okay. So there are some things on there that I have added myself. See, um, I knew it. Yeah, I've I've added a couple myself just to like uh, pad it out because there are hmm, the <laughs> the reason I added them to begin with was because I felt like the data that I wanted to see wasn't in the log. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was much more focused on. Uh, feelings and and that's completely valid and and I do have some things on there that um, you know like feeling full before and after a meal I have that on there um, but the other thing that I didn't have on there was like you know estimated calories and that really 
that really forces me to stop and go, okay, what am I putting in my mouth? Like, you know, like how, how much of this thing am I putting into my body? Um, like, do I, do I pull out a scale and actually measure it or do I estimate? Yeah. I've been doing the estimation, but it really, it really gets me to think about it. And that's kind of the important thing. Um, I've also added kind of, um, you know, the, the, the other thing I've added, I guess, was the um, the calmness before and after, or the stress <laughs> level before and after. I wanted to see, you know, kind of just eating soothe my stress out. Am I eating because I'm stressed? Are there things that are happening while I'm eating that makes me more stressed? Um, and, small, and small children at the table, I would have thought. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there's just a couple things in there that I'm just I, I, cool. I thought was uh, lacking, and so I've added them. So. <laughs> Anyway, we we got a show tonight. Um, man, this if you are listening to this later, uh, please do it at two times the speed, I guess, is is the moral of the story tonight. But we'll talk about why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going through the show notes right now, Barry, and pulling out some interesting facts from another supporting article on e-learning. Oh, check um, you out. If you if you see that, that no, is I what I'm that. doing yeah. right now. Um, Open up. Oh, there we go. Open up said article. Add this as like additional support Perfect. here. Uh, yeah. See, I, I'm. It's interesting. I've done a fair bit of work with oh, no, um, with people on e-learning and and all that sort of stuff and it's it's interesting um we need to talk about um Um, yeah. Anyway, so, so uh, yeah, we're do- we're doing a show. I just re- I, <laughs> I like froze up there for a second. We're <laughs> we have the music going. <laughs> yeah, you're typing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like I got to talk to fill the space here. Um, how's everybody doing tonight? Just generally, I I hope everybody is doing well. Um, where are you? Yeah, where? Yeah, where are you? Where in the, where in the world? Um, yeah. Where are you doing? Okay. Uh, we need to it'd be really good to be able to have almost the you know the the chats that are going on um and have them bleed over into the show a bit more as well that would be quite cool Um, yeah i want to i want to get better about that and i i I try to pull them in the only so it works well during the story it does not work so well during the it came from section unless it's directly pertaining to the thing it could work during one more thing it could. It, it, I guess it only works with the um, with the it came from. If if the person it came from, like we had one of the one of the other episodes where the yeah. person it came from came from. And if they're came, watching live, then yeah, that then makes it a great discussion. Um, 
let's see here. So, so yeah, we have some supporting evidence about e-learning here. Um, um, I'm putting some bits in about different types of progression. Um, because e-learning really only supports one sort of one type. Um, yeah. And have you got anything about group work? We'll put this in as well at this point. Man, I am I am really feeling the lack of like an energy drink today. Um, I usually <laughs> I usually have one right before the show. I feel much lower energy today. <laughs> I'm trying to not be low energy. I'm sorry. I was going to say no, having the um, having energy drinks is, is not good. They're bad. Um, I sort of seen it seen like the amount of sugar that they put in, in them things and yeah. my daughter was very much she was having like two or three of them a day um and some of the guys in that we share the office with they can be drinking like three four five of these a day and i'm like going, wow that's really bad for you and they're like yeah you just had an entire pot of coffee and i'm like yeah fair comment um but uh i don't know whether having just a straight pot of coffee is as bad the person I was doing my stuff with was saying, if you drink coffee, it makes your heart beat faster. Therefore, you burn more, burn more calories. And I was like, I like that. That's good. To be fair, I, I do the sugar-free uh, the the sugar-free energy drinks. So, mm. you know, they're, they're not packed with sugar. They're probably still not great for you. But, um, yeah. I think I think we have enough for this main uh, discussion. What, what are you thinking? There's a lot in the think, article that we can do. There's a lot we can dip into there yeah. to keep All right. going. If we're um, good there, then let's keep moving. So then we, yeah, we need it came yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah, I've been through the thing. Let me just pull up my uh, Discord. Hey, James is watching on LinkedIn. Thank you, James. Great to watch the podcast. I love my coffee, Bart. Fair enough. Oh, maybe, maybe coffee, oh, Barry. James. <laughs> yeah. Barry, and, there you go. Yeah, he's still only put one hour in there. Come on, James, spell my name properly. <laughs> James is really cool. He came into our office um, oh, a couple of months ago now and recorded some um, some stuff for the Welsh government around how we were doing innovation and what sort of business we were and, and all that sort of stuff. And it was it was really weird having all the focus and you having to sort of explain what you do and and all that sort of stuff and sort of show off about your business, which was. But he made it really, really easy um, and really enjoyable to do. So um, great to see you there, James. Um, you do need to come back in, actually, because um, I think we'd be um, um, quite glad to do a bit more. Right, where's the... It came, there we go. I, yeah, I it came it. from... <laughs> he deleted his comment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I ticked a few whilst I was sat in front of the TV earlier because that's the way. Oh I, yeah, that's a I good go. that's a good thing to do. Um, I guess. Well, I also get a manager to go through them with me. Um, to sort of say, oh, you know, would this be interesting? Would that be interesting? And I get a comment on the story as well because then I don't have any of my own thoughts because I'm married. You see. Um. So. Oh, James, don't you make me blush? <laughs> Barry's a wizard in front of the camera, just for everyone listening. <laughs> um, you know what? I I think we need a, a slight change in the background music. I feel like this is too. This is like putting me to sleep. Uh, we should. He's <laughs> very, very zen. Yeah, we should get something going on. Like you need like some nineties little, a little higher energy. This is 
little higher energy. Let's see if we can find something more higher energy. Working up there. So the are these all background music you bought, or is this all the stuff that should available in restream? This is all restream. Um, um, I'm just I'm just seeing what's available here. I, I think I've never really played with it before. Um, as in the music, I, 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 t I tend to go um, without music, I guess. I think lounge is probably going to be the winner here. This is this is pretty high energy. I I, I mean uh, high energy for like background music. I, I was going to say. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, we'll stick with this. It's got my um, leg twitching, so that's that's good. That's probably just the uh, the the, um, the lack of a um, energy drink. It's um, probably the meds. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one I thought was interesting. I don't. I, it's not really good. Uh, it came from, but I thought it was interesting one on there, which was using Figma to host a portfolio. Um, oh, okay, yeah, I, I yeah, that one's so, um, that one's more design. Yeah, well, I that's what I thought. It was interesting about the way that they were on about pulling all this stuff together and then saying, oh, should we use that? And it's like, well, if you're, we, we spoke about something similar, I think, oh, you observe it now, where you're like, if, if that's what the company uses, then, you, well, yeah, use use it. If they don't, and it's going it's to make it look stupid, it's going to be difficult for them to get to see, then that's a straight up usability issue. Don't use it. Um, hey, what about this one? How do you describe your overall happiness in this field? Do you love what you do day to day? Are you good? Do you have a good work-life balance? Yes. That yeah, let's good. do that. That's really right. pertinent um, to how, how we both are at the moment as well. Yeah, I, I like that. Let's let's use that one. All right, so we'll... There was one here, which I thought, and I guess it's just very, I would say it's very American. So it was tipping and user experience. Um, should you, if, you're, if you've got, um, how do you, how do we bring in tipping into um, to, to into UX design? I guess. If uh, you, if you, I thought if you've done a good UX, then the boss tip, you know, the company tips you for for that. I was like, really? No, the answer is you just pay your employees better. Um, yeah, or, or pay your bills on time. And so uh, it helps get the service in check. And I was like, that's mad. Look, I guess the exception would be um, freelance work, right? You know, if, if someone's doing freelance, then I can see where you, you charge kind of a baseline, uh, a baseline cost. I mean, ideally, you would build all this into your baseline cost. But then, you know, somebody I, I could see somebody tipping in that situation where it's like, hey, I really liked this work. Uh, very good on you. I want to give you a little bit extra, and maybe you put me at the front of the line next time. You know, um, I guess I, in the gig side. I mean, the gig side of things does do that. So if you go to um, a gig marketplace or something, then you can tip. Thing, but right. if I try to, if somebody, if I invoice somebody for my work and they come back and said I want to give you more money because you are awesome, which clearly would, would happen a lot, obviously, um, that would just give my um, my bookkeeper a headache. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, well, uh, uh, where's the geez. invoice for this? For this extra? Can you just not? It would be an awful thing to say, isn't it? Can you not pay me so much? And I get the offer. Thank you very much. Can you just buy me a box of chocolates instead? Um, or not chocolates at the moment because I'm trying to lose weight. Um. Right. Where was the? Oh, there, there was one there about how do you answer the interview question about your processes? Oh, your process approach to UX design. I'm fairly sure we did that. A very similar one to that. Yeah, recently. we've we've talked about that. Um. 
Did you see the one about um, project management, micromanagement? Not yet. I'm, I'm still, I'm working my way from the bottom up. Okay. Or, well, from was, top down, I guess, from uh, last week to this week. Yeah. I'm just doing that quickly anyway. Um, so I quite like that one. It's a long one, but. You know, uh, let's see here. There's one here. Um, I don't. I, yeah, never mind. I, I ignore me. I there was one that I thought would be a good question, and then I read further and was like, no, nah, it's not really great. Um, how, uh, interest. Uh, it was the. Would it be better to take study notes the same way you write documentation? Yeah, I, I saw that one. And I was, what are you talking about? Um, we could talk about job security for UX design. Um, does it get better with experience? That one's an interesting one. Uh, we could talk about job security just generally. Um, or, or maybe maybe it's a good, good pre-show question. I think that's a good pre-show question. Yeah, in but... Yes, because we've been talking about it. In, in, in short, does it get better? No, not really. Um, there you go. Done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of job security, like, there's always going to be UX work. There's always going to be, or and human factors work, for that matter. There's always going to be an instance where humans are interacting with something. Um, even if it's an automated system, there's still things that have to be figured out with where the human plays into those. And so this we, field is going to be around for a long time. And you always get that interaction, don't you? Because you, you, we're always going to have, um, humans are always going to want to interface with stuff. And engineers are always going to think they can design stuff and implement it. And we know they can't. So we always, that all intersection, you're always going to need us there. In terms of job security in a single job in HF always been there and been rock solid for like 40 years I don't think it will I think that our um, our domain is being very adaptive is it always has been always will be if you don't keep up with the changes with the, fa the fashions almost then um, then you're going to get stale I mean all the people yeah. who you know in just the inter in intersection between UX and, and human factors um, that's still being seen as a brand new shiny thing. I mean, my I've always had the belief that actually that they're one and the same thing, um, just with a, a different perspective. But big umbrella, yeah. But the but the UX community doesn't doesn't see it like that. So no, you know, that, it, there's a massive evolution there. So yeah, it's an interesting one. And then if you're a contractor or a, uh, a freelancer, then it's different again because it's you've you you're only as good as your last project. Um, and so if there's loads of work or be, you know, there's loads of um, companies developing their own in-house support, then that means less work for freelancers. So, um, and everything goes, you know, it goes to evolutions. We, freelancers tend to do better in, um, in recessions, um, which we could be heading towards again, depressingly. Um, anyway, that, 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 that went on tangent. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to the depressed piece again. <laughs> um, so speaking about one, reading about one that 
weren't quite what you thought they were. There was like there was one moving from quality system to human factors. I was like, oh, I'm going to do about quality and then going to that, and it turns out it, it, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. Um, um, hmm. There's so uh, no using automation as a UX designer. I again, I thought it was going to be talking about the implementation yeah. of, of automation, and and it wasn't. Yeah, I, I saw that question and I almost picked it, it, it just as a springboard for a larger conversation about how we use automation in our jobs and where there are um, opportunities for automation. But then, you know, thinking about it, it's like the, the type of automation I was thinking about in that moment were, were things like Excel charts that, um, you know, sort of update with more data as you get them. Um, and being able to sort of uh, automate your metrics. Mm. Um, that has been a big, I guess, thing for me. I I don't, again, I think we're answering in the pre-show here, and that's fine. <laughs> you know, we got 10 minutes till showtime. Um, we just got to pick a couple more of these. Uh, but, but I think that's the type of automation that I think of. There are other things like, you know, Zapier or some of these automation workflows that will integrate with other services that will kind of make your life easier in some ways, harder in others. <laughs> All right. You know what? I've, I've looked through the list. Let's actually dig into the bank because I feel like there's probably some in the bank that we could, um, talk about, and I'm going to go all the way down to the bottom here to see what we got. Um, uh, what about the what what's the future one? I thought we talked about that one. Did, Did we, we not talk about that one? We might have talked about something similar. Oh, that would have been a good one to pull in last week, I think, with it the would, metaverse yeah. talk. That's true. Lots of interviews about the metaverse at the moment. Lots of. We clearly kicked off a good thing. <sighs> Organize and share interview data. You know what? I, I, I like this question about sort of a yeah, process for organizing data, especially after this conversation about the data that I have up right here right now. Yeah. 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 Check it in. Okay, let's do that one, uh, and then let's pick one more. Um, Have we not done before that junior to mid mid level role? I feel like we have. Oh, we've um, done something very similar to it. Um, you know, I don't think we've actually tackled this one because this one's getting at um, now. I'm moving into a mid level role and. I'm nervous about the jump. Like, basically, yeah, it's, what it's, is what is a mid-level role? How does it differ from a a junior-level role? Yeah, check it in. All right, let's do it. Okay, so I yeah. think we have the three. Um, let's. That's then. Um... <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. I'm High energy. It's, it's high energy, Barry. We are. It's, I'm, 
my nice <laughs> top on as well. It, it, it's, it's warm, soporific. I'm gonna maybe have to open the door at some point just to. Uh... <laughs> oh. I am I am freezing over here. My hands are so cold. It is. Uh, I think I'm trying to look at the weather right now. Um, I have it in a couple places. No, it's not 45. I couldn't work out what that was. I, I was like, it was like a clicking on the door or something, and then I realized it's just the set, just the background music and my headphones being better than I realized they Um I got new I got these headphones on a recommendation of um of a, of a friend, and I didn't think it would make that much difference. Um, they really do. They're really good. I've never spent much money on a set of um, headphones before. The question in the chat. Robot semi trucks. You got thoughts on that? Yes, please. I think we should have them. I think. I mean, it sort of goes. I mean, goes along with the idea of what we said about um, infrastructure. If, if the infrastructure is there, then um, then why wouldn't you? Um, you're essentially putting them on. Um, uh, it's essentially put, put them on, on on rails almost, isn't it? Um, I think they're. Um, it would. It would make people's lives easier. I think they would work better. But then, as soon as you get into that bit, why not? Why not just a train? Um, are they any different to a train? Well, than go anywhere well, you want? From, from, from a U.S. perspective, right? This is it's probably different worldwide. But from a U.S. perspective, we have a lot of infrastructure for roads around here, mm-hmm. and and there's not there are rails, um, but. I think, and and they are used. I think what would happen if we did uh, autonomous transportation vehicles or autonomous um, autonomous uh, shipping containers, right? You think about like on a road, you could have a train, right? Um, essentially, where all these vehicles are communicating with each other to the point where they are just drafting behind each other. They dominate a lane. Um, presumably the far left lane, so that way no one has to worry about getting, uh, you know, kind of around them. It's kind of like a yeah. HOV lane where it's just this continuous stream of trucks going to where they need to go, and they all communicate with each other. One kind of peels out and goes off if it needs to get off the um, off the freeway. But this will be really great in terms of reducing accidents uh, with semi trucks because. Um, you know, if something happens at the front, then it can communicate to everybody else behind to just break and prepare for it. You know, uh, there's also a driver shortage here in the States. And so yeah, I think all this, all this uh, together, um, there is, a, there is in Europe as well. And I think it's, um, it is quite a key thing. I mean, but also just the, like things like fuel efficiency. Cause if you're all, if, if they're all working harmoniously together, communicating, then they can actually yeah. drive closer together. That can um, so that therefore cuts down fuel usage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that can drive them the most um, most efficiently they can. Um, that's kind of the same with all almost all autonomous vehicles if they're done in the right way. Though that the savings you can make as long as the infrastructure is there to support it um, is really good. I mean, the, the, there are issues, of course, with um, with this. So like. Not every company is going to want to play nice with each other. They're going to kind of keep it in their own, um, yeah, in their own company, and you know, um, people. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's the um, 
like that's the that, that's the capitalist output, isn't it? It's the it's the wanting to get get your margin in and all that sort of stuff, and um, yeah, which is you know just the nature of what it is that we're um, that we live like on a day to day basis. But it's um, you kind of need that to make everything else work. So it is it is it's not easy. Um, all right, we got what two minutes before showtime. Um, do you have something for one more thing this week? I do. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm prepared. I'm done. Great. Excellent. I'm going to type up just this intro really quick. Cool. Uh, talk about our happiness. We organize interview data. And we'll talk about jump from junior role, mid-level role. I don't even know if I have any programming notes or community updates. I mean, I, I've just been, you know, pushing the lab. Um, Well, we have another meeting tomorrow. So. We do have a meeting tomorrow. Yes, our second. But that's not really a, like a outward facing programming note. That's like a you could join the lab. Actually, we have a lot of interest in the lab. Um, so so maybe I'll I'll restate it. Um, yeah, it's worth doing. I've I've bought myself a bottle of wine ready. So all right. Good. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's um. It is 30 after the hour, so we are going to go ahead and get started with the show. So if you are watching, um, stick around with us. After this short video, we'll, uh, we'll get into the real, real deal here. Uh, stick around. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. This is episode 233. We are recording this live on January 27th, 2022. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Hey there. Great to be here. It is great to be here. We are fairly low energy tonight, but we will hopefully bump that energy up through the roof as we talk about the topic tonight, because it's actually really interesting. we got a great show for you tonight. We'll actually be talking about learning at twice the speed. So I'm going to talk really slowly, so that way, if you are listening to this at twice the speed afterwards, my words and Barry's words are much clearer for you to listen to. And later, we're going to be answering some questions from the community about our happiness in the field of human factors, how we organize our interview data, and we'll talk about the jump from a junior role to a mid-level role. But first, we have a quick programming note here or a community update for you all. Once again, I'm going to plug our uh, Human Factors Cast Digital Media Lab. Um, we have a lab where we are experimenting with different media for digital outputs. So what that means is we are experimenting with blog posts, podcasts, um, different ways to interact with the human factors community online. If this excites you, if you have ideas, uh, please reach out to us. We are always looking for more people to join this lab. And uh, we've kicked off 2022 with a couple really interesting work threads. So stay tuned for that. 
Um, but we know why you're here. You're here for Human Factors News. So let's go ahead and get into it. That's right. This is the part of the, part of the show all about Human Factors News. Barry, what is our news story this week? So this week we're talking about how much do students learn when they double the speed of their class videos. So recorded lectures have become a routine part of course instruction during the COVID-19 pandemic. And college students often try to pack more learning into a shorter span by watching these recordings at double their normal speed, or even faster. But does comprehension suffer as a result? According to a new UCLA study, the answer is, surprisingly, no, up to a point. The study was shown, the study has shown that students retain information quite well when watching lectures at up to twice their actual speed. But once they exceed that speed, things then get a bit blurry. So the strategy of speeding up videos may not be effective with the especially complex or difficult course material the the researchers noted. So Nick, are you a double speed consumer or are you a single track person? I am a double speed consumer. I listen to everything, if I can, at a higher speed. Uh, And this is largely because I value my time. And when I consume these things, I want to consume a lot of it. And so when I listen to podcasts, it's at twice the speed or sometimes slightly higher. It really depends on the hosts of the podcast. Um, and we can we, we'll talk about our experiences. But yes, I am a more than one times speed person for everything. Barry, are you a more than one times speed person? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a single speed, mainly because I find that there's a there's a level of depth that you lose. And I, I want to get engaged with the with the host, with the with them and, and what is it, you know, their nuances and things like that. That's as there's a level of richness there that I think you lose when you speed up. And fundamentally, I just think it sounds a bit weird. Um, I just don't I just think that, that the sound just doesn't work work for me. Um Something about this article as well is that you're, you're, I also wonder, but what about the other side of the the equation, the the lecturers or the people who are making that sort of stuff? Um, if are you if so you're listening to this at twice the speed, um, you know you're only getting half as much of us. Um, is is that quality quality for you? I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know. I think I've never actually tried it that much in terms of uh, getting stuff in. Um, so maybe it's something I need to experiment with to see whether it works, but fundamentally, if we pair, if we pair this back, um, is this actually a thing? Can you actually learn, um, this quickly? How do, do can you give us some insights around, around the e-learning maybe? Yeah. So I want to, I want to quickly jump on one of your points really quick here. So I think you, you mentioned the medium and, and sort of what the, I guess, creator thinks of people enjoying their content at twice the speed for something like a podcast we put this on every week i don't care if people listen to this at at two times the speed in fact i encourage it because we sit here for an hour and if you can get that done in half an hour then you are getting our full conversation about today's latest news uh in in a half an hour and and you know that's your time for something like um where, where maybe you're not learning or you are just enjoying something. So like a television show or a movie that I can see uh, being um, a little bit more strict with. Yes, I want people to watch this at at one times the speed, because in instances where there's an awkward pause or tension between characters, I can see that. 
playing differently when it's not in real time. And so if it's a piece of art, I feel like you are then um, getting outside of that two times speed. But yes, we are talking about learning specifically with this. So let's use e-learning as kind of a basis, right? And there's some research on e-learning. Um, and we're talking about e-learning here because in this study, we're, we're talking about learning at twice the speed. And you can't really do that in a controlled way other than looking at videos and playing them back at different speeds. So let's get into it. There's a couple different, I guess, takeaways with e-learning. Maybe we talk about those at kind of a high level here. Generally, I think e-learning as a whole is more effective than many people realize. And I think as we're starting to um, experiment with some of these hybrid situations where you have students at school in the classroom and e-learning and they're kind of switching off, there can be, you know, obviously, I guess there's no real substitute for being in-person, hands-on learning in a classroom environment. I think that we can all agree that that is probably the most effective, although I'd like to talk to a researcher on this. Mm -hmm. But we're, we're talking about e-learning and it can still be effective when done correctly, right? Yeah, there's some research that suggests that um, when you are using video instead of the usual form of teaching, you might get a slight bump in grade, but nothing significant there. And it all depends on how people learn too, right? Uh, if they are kind of doing a video lesson in addition to an existing class, you have a greater impact, almost a full letter grade. And then when you have um, sort of when video learning outperformed in-person learning, um, there's kind of larger implications here about uh, flipped learning or remote learning and in-person lectures. So there's there's still some inconclusive evidence about that. Um, but I think generally it is it is effective and it might be more effective than people realize. Do you want to talk a little bit about why it is effective? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I did some um, lectures more recently and I did did the same course. I think we might mention it on a previous episode. I did the same course um, twice. I did one in person and then one remote. And it was interesting that the you know the the ability to engage people in person on on that topic was was um, easier than doing that online. But then when speaking to the lecturer, he he was very much in favour of some of them some of the things that they just know that they have to get some of the facts. Some of that is easier to do and more consistent to do via video than um, that it was him standing up and giving that lecture time and time and time again because he was you know affected by all sorts of things if he was having a bad day then the you know uh, his own energy didn't go into the uh, into the into the learning the same way so but in terms of why is video learning effective as long as you've got the, the learner there, they can control uh, the learning material. They can work at uh, the pace that they that they want to. They can, um, if they want to miss something or they don't get something, they can go back and refresh it. Or they can, as we've talked about, m maybe um, consume it faster than than anybody else. Um, and also, we the, there is research that suggests that humans are hardwired to learn best when they're looking at both auditory and visual information and be able to correlate them together. Um, there is uh, that question around, can video learning be effective for teaching skills as well as facts? So skills, obviously, we, we talked about um, muscle memory and things like that. Um, so, but they do think that um, the video learning is effective for teaching more complex skills and behaviors. 
Um, do you want to talk about this next point? Because I have no idea what a K-12 student is. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute. I, w- I want to break this point down a little bit. Have you used e-learning to sort of, uh, I guess, learn a skill? Like watch a YouTube video to like, like for woodworking or something. Yeah, I'm, I have. And it's, but I don't know whether it's, I was trying to think about this because I, I've con- at the moment certainly consume a lot of, um, uh, things on like um forging which i haven't done yet but the the woodworking one there's um the john malecki um youtube channel and i watch a lot of his stuff around how because he's very good at teaching i think or explaining how he does stuff and i was trying to just while whilst we were talking about this i was trying to work out is that am i just picking up the general things as an instructional vi- video almost about what he's done and the steps he's taking or am i taking on board the skills he's doing about how he does stuff and i'm not entirely sure because i don't get to go and do exactly the sort of things that he's done i only sort of do an approximation of that but maybe that's enough i don't know what, what do you think have you have you taken on board any sort of uh audio visual material to inter- for skills rather than behaviors rather than just uh just knowledge and facts yeah, and I think you have a very good point here when talking about skills versus facts and where is the bleed. Because I think for me, you know, I've I've learned um, techniques from these YouTube videos or or online courses or anything, and I've learned like coding from these, and that's a skill. And so I I feel that in some cases knowing the technique or learning the technique is learning the skill where, you know, there, there are fact-based things too, right? Like, um, like, let's just take a, this is a very obscure example, but your worm saw, you know, your worm saw won't go unless you oil it and that you need to oil it. Now, how to oil it, that is a procedure that you need to perform on that worm saw, worm drive saw. And so you need to, you know, kind of take out the pieces and parts in a certain order. And that is a skill. So you you look at the technique and then but the fact that you need to do it is the fact part of it. I don't know. That's that's one example. There are other examples. So, you know, there's there's somebody who might teach counseling. And uh, this is a firsthand account from one of the uh, sources we have here. Um, it's really hard to demonstrate proper counseling in a lecture because you can't bring a client to do that in front of a group of 400 students. But if you do, and if you do role play, that seems kind of contrived. But when uh, this person has created videos of counseling sessions that can be much more real, they can be practiced. They can really focus on what th- that uh, teacher is is trying to do. You can much more easily stop them, sort of annotate the video live in the moment or not live. If we're talking about a video playback, you can annotate it um, and and really sort of note some of these important parts of the skill and say, hey, did you notice here how I use this type of question? And so so I think that type of learning for these complex skills can be effective. OK, so just to. <laughs> Almost a counter, uh, counterfactual, almost to a certain extent. So recently, I've, as I've sort of mentioned before, I've got into American football, and the only actual sport I now watch, and the Rams are in the um, in the final four, which is very exciting. I've been trying to work out how they play, and because of, I've watched some of the videos on it, um, I'm still not convinced I could go out and be 
the next quarterback or the next whatever um, just by watching them videos because there's clearly a load of skill in that that gets you up to that level very and they make it look easy. But again, maybe that's not because it's not an instructional video as such. I don't know. It's um, I think there's some things that are, it's around you being able to mimic what you see when you're watching the video. So counselling, you can get yourself into that that zone of yes, you can see it, re repeat it, do it. But if you're watching something that you can't necessarily repeat, I, is that a good instructional video? We've probably lived that quite a long time now. I just it's because it's interesting. Um, do you want to pick up a pick up another one? Yeah, you, you mentioned the K-12 students. I'm going to talk about this briefly. So here in the States, we call it K-12. And this is just like, I, I guess, primary school. It's, it's um you know, from kindergarten to 12th grade. So right. this yeah, is yeah. Okay, got you. Yeah. children from the age of four or five all the way up to the age of 18. Um, and they are learning their skills. And so there's, there's not really evidence that would support either way that this would be... Um, detrimental i guess or or it wouldn't be not the, sorry the e-learning would not be applicable to these groups um and so i guess there's there's still more research that needs to be done it's just a point that we want to talk about here especially as we're talking about e-learning and at least in this context it's college students uh mm -hmm. with the article that we're talking about today but i do want to mention the k-12 thing um do, do you want to talk about some of the limitations? Because I feel like you are pretty heavy on the limitations and I, I think you want to pick them it, apart. It's not necessarily the, the limitation. <laughs> I think it's just, I think having a thorough understanding of, of the value of, of video and sometimes we can sort of see it as a, certainly what's came out of the pandemic is we think it's going to solve everything. It's like, no, no, there is, I think it's using the right place. It's a really, really good thing. So the thing that we don't know is just, is how that work, how it all works in practice. And and how it works, I guess, around the world. So if you look at we've talked about um, equality of, of opportunity and things like that in the past. What about places that don't have good access to internet? Good ac access to, you know, because you, you do need a certain level of, of of technology to make sure that you can access access this type of stuff. Particularly if we're going to change the the speed ratios of it, because you can't really do that with a a bog standard um, VHS or Betamax. Um, video player it's you're, you're looking at a uh, digital you're looking at youtube you're looking at that sort of thing to be able to do that um and then the education system this year is seeing really so many learners don't have the privilege of high-speed internet and because normally with you've, you've got multi-student families as well because so that you've got it's not just one student trying to consume um video data it's multiple um, siblings within within the same home, maybe even parents trying to work as well. That you, we don't necessarily have that full speed of internet that we can make that work with. So, I do, there's not it's not a one size fits all at the moment. Um, we can't get to everywhere. We can't get to everywhere. We can't get to everybody. Um, but it's certainly starting. I think the we can't argue with the fact that a lot of a lot of students and a lot of um, educational org organisations really stepped up to the plate. When, it came, when the uh, pandemic hit and generated an awful lot of um, video material, which fr saved a lot of children's education um, because otherwise they wouldn't, wouldn't have had anything. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's we, we're still in a very much a learning time. And I think coming out of the pandemic, I think we'll see that balance of um, that hybrid learning and we'll, we'll, we will find more data, more, more real data, um, real, real life experiences, um, about that. Do you want to talk about how educators respond um, to this research? Yeah. So there's some, 
I guess, you know, there, there's, I guess from, from the perspective of educators, right. There, there are certain things that you can take certain uh, measures that you can take to kind of up your game. Right. So as an educator, you can sort of improve the quality of your videos that you are um, sort of making for your classes or your YouTube videos or whatever you're doing, right? So I think in terms of this, there's there's some skills that you can learn like editing um, and sort of making sure that the content there is focused and uh, I guess entertaining in a way so that way people retain it better. Um, there's also marginal upgrades that you can make. So like better recording equipment, high quality camera, teleprompter, these types of things. Um, and, uh, you know, in one case, there's there's an educator that's sort of embracing a flipped classroom. I, you know, there's um, they go on to write that my classes no longer have anything that looks like a lecture. He says the classes are all students doing things, students hands-on, making mistakes, getting feedback, trying the things they've just seen online. And so very much relying on a community, or I guess if this educator is putting them together themselves, uh, sort of providing resources and having them test those skills in a real environment. And I think uh, that's a really, really important note is that when you're trying to teach skills, you still have to practice them, but at least you know the techniques. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a really important thing to note. Uh, you have two different types of, of um, or class progression types. You want to talk about those? Yeah, just really briefly. I think the, and it relates to kind of what the, the notes you were just making, because we've got to remember that um, if we are trying to push people forward, do they work together as a group or do they work together on their own? So there's in sort of educational terms, there's this idea of uh, variable mastery fixed time, or uh, which really means that you've got a fixed time, a fixed period of time to get across a certain amount of content and the group or the, the individuals will take on a certain amount of knowledge. So the, 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 vari the, the mastery will change. They'll, they'll get to a minimum standard. Some will become better than others. Or, but the, the main thing around that is that it's the time that's fixed. So you're, you're with it for a term, two terms, three terms, whatever. Or you, the flip side of that is actually you can work on your own and we, you're aiming to get to a certain level of mastery. So a fixed mastery, and you will stay in that course for as little or as long as it takes for you to do that. Um, and so that's fixed mastery variable time. What we talked about with the videos, I think, really lends itself to fixed master, mastery variable time because you are in complete control of the sp speed and pace of what you're doing. You can um, whittle through videos really, really quickly, or you can do it really slowly. I struggle to see how you can do that in more of a group session. Um, how do you get that value of, of, of group working, of that sort of engagement? I think there's, there's a part of it you can use it as preparation. You can use it that type of thing, but it's if you go too far along to the video side of things, then do you lose um, that collaborative side of things? So again, just goes back to that. How do you get that balance right? What about your experiences with, I mean, we've talked a bit, a bit about it already, but the um, how have you consumed at, at, at double speed? Um, and what, what sort of things does that lend itself to? Yeah, good, good, good uh, getting back on track. We talked a lot about um, sort of e-learning. And I think that was a good primer because let's get back to the original article about the, the two times the speed. Is it effective? Is it not? And yes, let's, let's talk about our experiences with two times the speed before we get into that. So for me, I listen to podcasts at twice the speed, sometimes higher. 
I listen to YouTube at twice the speed sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess it's it's hard to quantify when I make that decision. I think it's more um, when I'm looking for information, I do it at twice the speed. When I am uh, sort of watching a tutorial, it might be it might, I might even slow it down depending on how complex the task is. Um, I think the ability to control the speed is a huge boom, though. I think that's that's a great thing to have. Um, I haven't done any online conferences or any or sorry, uh, sorry, and online classes with this, but I have done things like conferences. And that's also something where I will go back and watch at twice the speed. It is information that I am taking in and there's no live component on a pre-recorded thing. And so I'll, I'll go back and watch it at twice the speed. It doesn't bother me. Um, you have a couple examples here too. Do you want to talk about what you use two times speed for, if anything? Well, yeah, I was, I also um, use them examples of, of things I don't. Um, so again, so podcasts I do at single speed um, because I think it goes back to what you said almost right at the beginning is, is that I almost consider them, it's not just knowledge, it's the art form. Um, and I think there's there's a level of, of that type of thing. So one of the things I'm trying to do at the moment is is learn Welsh. Um, and I couldn't do that at, at twice speed, even if I want. I can barely do it at single speed. Um, but that ability to control stuff is really useful because, again, you just mentioned it about slowing things down. Um, being able to control that sort of thing in Duolingo is, is, has been really, really useful. The other bit... Um, I was sort of playing around with it was how do we do how do we deal with things on on hybrid so i'm going to be going to do a, a lecture in a couple of weeks to the engineering community and they've just dropped it on me that it's, it's going to be a hybrid so i'm going to be sat doing the live a live stream um but also there's going to be people, people in the room as well so that's almost going to be quite hard for them because for the people who, want, who would want to consume it faster then they just won't be able to because we having to keep um, we have to keep the, the 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 speed the same because it because I'm also presenting it live to a, a live audience, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Whether we should be bother bothering with the whole hybrid stuff at, at all, or should we be doing it twice, or you know do it live and then release it uh, as a thing? Yeah, I mean for me, I like look my ideal scenario since there are Zoom calls that are recorded all the time now is. <laughs> You let the Zoom call happen unless you need to be there for input and then you watch it afterwards. Right. Like that is kind of how I operate uh, for certain calls. Right. There's there's calls where I don't need to necessarily be involved with the discussion. But I'm I want to be aware of that. And so I'll watch those after the fact at twice the speed. And that saves me time because I'm still consuming the whole thing. I have time for other things now. Um, I didn't have to sit through the whole thing live in terms of, you know, your example, I think for the people, you know, if it is recorded, then the people who want to be there virtually just listen to it afterwards, Mm. uh, at twice the speed. Um, but that's my thoughts on it. Now let's get back to this article here. I thought maybe we could glance over some of the studies, how they did this exactly. Um, and kind of what the difference is between them. So I'll start us off here. This is, this is done at UCLA. So kind of, uh, Gen- general college student population, right? Um, basically, 85% of UCLA students uh, surveyed reported they speed watched lecture videos. Um, and so the researchers kind of engaged them on a series of experiments to see how these fast speeds 
engage or sort of affected learning and knowledge retention. In the first experiment, uh, they kind of looked at 231 undergrads into four groups. They had them watch two videos that were 13 to 15 minute lectures, one on the Roman Empire, another on real estate appraisals. Uh, one one group watched at normal speed, one at 1.5 times the speed, one at double speed, and one at 2.5 times the speed. Um, and they were instructed not to pause the videos or take any notes. Um, so already it's kind of an artificial environment. That's that's kind of one of my observations. So after these viewings, they kind of looked at the they looked at comprehension tests to see how much they understood from them. Uh, Twenty multiple choice true or false questions. Normal speed group averaged about 26 correct answers out of 40 double time group scored about 25 so it's about it's about the same as the 1.5 speed group um and then uh and then for the 2.5 speed group they didn't do well they did 22 questions correctly on average so um i guess the significant difference is anything above two is where it starts to decline mm-hmm. do you want to uh, do you want to talk about this next part here? Yeah, so the interesting bit about that was then a week later, the same groups were given different tests related to the two videos to assess what they'd retained. So then the normal speed group averaged 24 out of 40, the 1.5 speed and double speed group averaged 21, and the 2.5 speed students averaged 20. So surprisingly, video speed, we can see, has had actually little effect on both immediate and delayed comprehension until learners exceeded twice the normal speed. So that's quite an interesting piece. I mean, actually, overall, what maybe a thing that they don't mention is actually they're still not getting very high scores anyway. Out of 40, they're still only getting around half of them um, or just over half of them correct. So um, maybe that's the choice of <laughs> um, choice of subject, the Roman Empire and real estate appraisals. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if it was the... Um, um star wars trilogy might be might be different um but they also looked at a few other bits as well i don't know whether you want to um quickly mention the the other bits that they looked at yeah so they they looked at some other uh combinations i guess of speed watching and normal speed viewing of these two videos um again i just want to mention that none of these are being compared to in person that's not what we're looking at here we're looking at just whether or not online learning can be affected by this and so i'd imagine in person you might see a slight bump to those answers that's just two cents so so they looked at sort of the the um twice at double speed once at normal speed um so they kind of had one group of students watch the videos at double speed twice in succession and another watched them just once at normal speed um and both groups uh, answered about 25 out of 40. So there was no difference watching it twice at two times speed or once at normal speed. You're getting the same content twice at two times the speed, which would indicate that maybe there is um, you know, some additional information mm-hmm. that's being taken in there. There's another experiment that they did where they watched the videos once at normal speed while another viewed them initially at double speed, then a week later at double speed again. And then when tested a week after that, the first group that watched the videos um, and shortly after the the second group viewed those videos a second time, the speed watchers performed better, averaging 24 out of 40 versus 22 for the one time normal group. So, I, again, I don't think this is a significant difference there, but still interesting to note that the, the double speed is performing well. You want to talk about the switching speeds portion of the study? Yeah, 
So they, a group that watched the videos at the normal speed, then at double speed, scored slightly better immediately after the viewings than a group that watched at double speed and then normal speed. So 26 versus 24. Um, so not statistically significant, but interesting. Um, when the other two groups followed the same viewing procedure were quizzed a week after watching, they both scored 25. So actually the longer term retention was exactly the same. Um, so when we look at this, people generally speak at a rate of 150 words a minute. And previous research has shown that comprehension begins to decline as speech approaches double speed around 275 words a minute. So yeah, I mean, I guess maybe some of, some of this isn't um, um, isn't that surprising when you look at that 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 general fact in in of itself. Yeah, uh, one one kind of last note for me over here. So this is actually a note from the researchers here. They said they were surprised and impressed that students could learn and retain this knowledge uh, at faster speeds, and um, they kind of sent a quote here. College students can save time and learn more efficient, efficiently by watching pre-recorded lectures at faster speeds if they use the time saved for additional studying. So that's the key here is that you are saving time, but you should use that to bolster what you've learned, right? Um, but they shouldn't exceed double the normal playback speed. Their study didn't reveal significant drawbacks to watching lecture videos at up to double the normal speed, but they caution against kind of using the strategy to simply save time. Um, students can enhance their learning if they spend the time saved on activities such as reviewing flashcards or taking practice tests. So again, it's kind of how you spend your time. So you, you kind of get the content and then you use that remaining time that you would have had to bolster it. Um, any final thoughts on this, Barry, before we move on? Yeah, I guess final thought for me really is it would be interesting to know just how um, men mentally fatiguing this is. Um, so if again, just going on that bit about around time, if you if you consumed it at twice the speed, therefore I would think that you're mentally work having to work harder to comprehend what's going on. Um, do you need um, to use that extra time to then recover from that? It'd be interesting to look to do, I guess, mental workload analysis on on that as a as an outcome, but. Fundamentally, yeah. If we, if we can identify that those bits that um, are really good for for video learning, and get that information across, then let's make the most of the technology. I'm in. Yeah. If you've been listening to this at twice the speed, let us know how that went in the comments or in our Discord or wherever you can get to us. <laughs> but for now, I want to thank you, our patrons, this week for selecting the topic. It was actually tied on Twitter, so our patrons selected this topic for this week. And thank you to our friends over at UCLA for our news story this week. If you want to follow along, we do post the links to the original articles on our weekly roundups on our blog. You can also join us, like I said, on our Slack or Discord for more discussion on these stories. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener-supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast 
to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Yes, huge thank you as always to our patrons. We especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff patrons, Michelle Tripp. Patrons like you keep the show running. Thank you for your continued support. I want to jump into Human Factors Minute. So this is something that we do for our patrons. Uh, and and this is something that I have a ton of fun producing on my end. This is uh like like the little commercial there said it's it's a standalone podcast where we break down interesting obscure human factors topics one minute at a time. Uh, we have a hundred as of this recording we have 107 episodes total time available for people to listen to is about two hours and eight minutes and three seconds. Uh, the average length of episode is about 72 seconds. So you're actually getting a little bit more than a minute a week. Um, and just a couple notes here. The first 10 episodes are available to everyone, um, as well as the Team Seeds minutes that we did as part of the Team Seeds effort uh, last year. Those are available to everyone for free. You can check out our Patreon to to see those. Um, Human Factors Minutes also on Spotify, if that's something that you want to do is is pay for it through there i don't know why you do that instead of patreon makes no sense to me but it's available you can do it um and it's it is the exclusive way to hear blake's voice at this point uh we are <laughs> we're still working on getting him back soon bear with us but it is the only place you can hear him for now because it's pre-recorded it's not live <laughs> so you can hear him there um and barry we got to get you on some of those human factors minutes man you're a permanent yeah. fixture of the show now so we got to get you rolling uh, <laughs> all right. Like I said, thank you to our patrons. Uh, if you're interested, check it out. Anyway, we got we, we let's get into the next part of the show. It came from. It came from. All right. So this week we <laughs> we got uh, this is the part of the show where we search all over the internet to bring you topics that the community is talking about. They are uh, raising their voices and and either complaining or asking or any of the above. We answer some of these in the pre-show. Anyway, if you find these answers useful, give us a like to help other people find this content wherever you're at. We have three tonight, so let's go ahead and get into the first one here. This is by Lion Turtle Land on the user experience subreddit. It's a fairly, fairly easy one to start us off with tonight, Barry. How would you describe your overall happiness in this field? And of course, we're talking about the human factors field here or UX or whatever you're in, right? Do you love what you do day to day? Do you have a good work-life balance? So do I love what I do today? Do day to day? Yes, I absolutely do. Um, I'm very lucky that I can... Um, basically running my own business, I can focus that business in exactly the way I want. I can do the tasks that I enjoy doing and I can delegate the stuff I don't like doing. Um, that's brilliant. Do I have a good work-life balance? Absolutely not. Um, I am absolutely rubbish at this. I'm very good at telling everybody else to make sure they take holidays, they don't work too hard, they take the appropriate time off if I think people are getting stressed out. I'm very good at telling other people that they need to be able to chill and all that sort of stuff. I'm really rubbish at doing it for myself. Um, so yeah, in short, yes, I love what I do. No, I have, uh, I don't have very good work-life balance. Uh, what about you, Nick? Well, hang on. There's a third question there. Are you happy? Oh, am I happy? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, and I think that's where the, where the privilege is, isn't it? It's the, one of the things I think we are very lucky in working in, in this field is we have an opportunity to get involved in any project that really, because every project, every project involves people and we can normally 
um, there's it's very rare we cannot make a difference, a positive difference to um, a project or a product or a, or a service. So it's always good to be able to go in and be able to see tangible change because you've gone in and you've done something. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think I'm generally very happy with what I'm doing. Yeah, for me, um, in the past, I've I've worked with personalities that have been difficult to uh, sort of work with, um, kind of expecting the impossible and had really poor planning, and so in that instance where you are working with individuals that maybe don't play to strengths of employees, I think that can be a situation where you can be unhappy. Mm -hmm. This is a field where I think you can be happy with what you're doing, uh, provided you do have that good work-life balance and you do love what you do every day. Right now, I'm fortunate enough to be in that position. I do have a great work-life balance. I think, um, you know, my employer gives us, uh, you know, every third Friday off. So that way it's a, a wellness day and they, they kind of make sure that we're taken care of um, really good insurance, you know, that kind of thing. So like the, the personal life is, is great and I can, it's flexible. I can step away from the computer as long as I don't have a meeting and get back to it later. And so I can kind of spend some time with my son during the day, mm-hmm. which is invaluable. I love that. I love being able to spend time with my son and then I can get back to work at night when everyone else is, you know, asleep and I can sit there and, and knock away some of these things. As long as I don't have meetings during the day, I can do that. Right. Um, in terms of loving what I do, I do love what I do. I think I nerd out about data every day. Um, and I, I, I nerd out about talking to people about what they do on a day-to-day basis. I love learning about the domains that I work in and I love, uh, you have to have this sort of continuous love of learning and uh, sort of a, a continuous um, evaluation of what you know, because it always changes and the field changes and you have to be with those changes. So overall, super happy. But I have been in the situation where you can be unhappy and mm. that's not great. So just know that happiness is out there. And if you are unhappy in your role, maybe explore other options. That's what I'd say. Okay, let's get into this next one here. How to organize and share interview data. This is by Baranam2 on the HCI subreddit. Would be the best way uh, or best tool to analyze and share quantitative survey data. I have data from 40 people and questions and answers from three different surveys Uh, They were each given. I want to sometimes view the data of all three surveys for one particular person and then view how all 40 people are answered a certain way. So they're asking for a very specific answer here, but I'm going to broaden this and say, how do you organize your data generally? Do you have one spreadsheet? Do you have many spreadsheets? Do you have like, how do you, what's your process, Barry? Well, I'm I'm, going to coin the phrase of, well, it it depends, doesn't it? Um, In the grand scheme of things, I, I think Excel is... Certainly for sharing data um, is is my go-to tool. I know that there's very, you know, much more sophisticated tools out there. Um, but when you can play with play with the data, generally, yeah, one core sheet, well, I say one core sheet with all your main data on it, and then use other sheets to then slice and dice, um, slice and dice the data. Um, and certainly being able to then have different sheets with your different charts on. So try and cluster them 
cluster the similar charts together, but have your fil filters on the charts. So then you can um, you can really um, look at that and 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 play with it. The more prep you can do in the background, and the more you can structure the the questions so you can analyze them easier later on. Uh, the more effort you put in up front, the better the outcome is. So. I mean, obviously, by from this question specifically, they, they've already done done the data questionnaire, but I the, the more prep you can put in beforehand will just um, um, just uh, give you massive outcomes. And the you know the, the beauty of a good of a good pivot table and a good pivot chart it will work no end of wonders um, with it because it, you it just allows you to go into so much depth. I think. What about you? What, what's your what's your go to what's your go to um, tool of choice when you're doing this type of thing? Yeah, like you mentioned it depends. I'm doubling down on merch tonight, so I have my it depends shirt under my Human Factors cast sweater. <laughs> <laughs> bring that up. Okay, so in terms of how I work, so I think there are some interesting questions about this, and there's some, I guess, parameters that you need to understand before you consider what constitutes. Uh, I guess, an individual Excel file, right? I'm also an Excel person, although I have used Google Sheets and I I kind of um, am slowly switching to Google Sheets just because I have access to it everywhere. Uh, it's a little bit easier to navigate mobily. Um, anyway, the, the tool is irrelevant. What is relevant is how you organize your data. And so for me, I like to think about um, sort of a file, if you will, uh, per task thread. Mm -hmm. So let's say I want overall metrics of all the things I've ever worked on. Well, I might capture certain data about that, like where it was, who we talked to, how many users we had, where, um, I said where it was, you know, so, so, you know, some of these overall data points. And then, um, I think that might be one task thread. I'm not capturing all that data for you know, from every single thing and putting it into one sheet, that's overkill. Mm -hmm. But let's say, you know, I'm talking to users from a um, specific, I guess, group, that might be too resolute. I think what I would do is um, kind of combine, uh, like, let's say, let's say I'm doing a research thread of like figuring out what the best user interface for something would be <laughs> pretty broad right. uh, by, by design, <laughs> but, but multiple user groups interact with this interface. I'm going to, I'm going to put it all in one spreadsheet. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, just being able to sort and filter by the user group is going to be enough to get me the data that I want and compare across those user groups as well. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be all really relevant as long as the tasks kind of match what you're looking at for that research thread. Um, once you go beyond that research thread, I would open up a new file and do the things there. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, this is a good question because it's hard to quantify uh, from, from a research perspective, what constitutes a new spreadsheet. It is because um, I'm quite a fan of, just for data not data protection, but for uh, making sure I don't lose the data. So I don't mean data protection in terms of like GDPR and that sort of stuff, but I mean, just, I don't want to lose the core stuff. I tend to put all of my core 
um, data that I've received into one sheet, one into one file. So multiple sheets within the same Excel yeah. file, raw data, all of it in there. Then save that, make a copy, and then start doing the analysis on the copy. Yes. And that I might do. I might start, you know, stripping out. I might have. Uh, I might then sort the data into threads. It might be, in, you know, it might be a single interface, or it might be a single um, scenario, or it might be whatever it is. Strip out the data that way. But I will always have a um, what I generally call my uh, my safety belt. Um, it's all gone wrong. I've got a couple of copies of of the actual raw data. I can start from scratch again because invariably you will end up putting some sort of really funky um, um, formula in that you end up pressing the wrong button at the wrong time yep. and and doing it. So back your data up, back the raw data up because. Yeah. Um, yeah, the amount I've seen. I mean, thankfully, it's only happened to me. I think in twenty years, it's happened twice, um, and only one of them was truly my fault. Uh, the other one, I fired somebody for. Um, the, um, but it, it it happens, and there's nothing worse than just going. If only, if only I just done that. Um, so yeah, don't don't mess with the raw data. Losing um, your data sucks. Yeah, badly. All right, let's let's get into this last one here. Uh, this one is by Delirium Rostello on the user experience subreddit. Uh, how did you prepare to make a jump from a junior role to a mid-level role? Uh, they go on to write, recently I got a job offer. I will be taking it. Has all the good stuff, seemingly good environment, reputable household name brand, substantial jump in salary, work uh, with content I'm familiar with. It's a bit more of a mid-level role, though. And despite having a good body of work behind me, working with some very technical stuff, I'm slightly nervous about the jump from kind of sort of being mid-level to officially being mid-level. I was wondering how people planned for or experienced a step up in seniority with Human Factors or UX and what suggestions or advice they'd give for it. Uh, Barry, what was your jump from junior to mid like? Um, it was interesting. I think the I I was quite lucky that um at the time I you know I worked with a really good bunch of people. We were one of the lag, largest human factors departments in the UK at the time, and I was fairly. It was my first official role as a as a human. Well, it was the first place that I worked that I'd officially got into the human factors uh, domain at that point. And so I'd sort of I bounced quite a lot of my career up there, and it was it was interesting because the everybody felt like they'd expected me to jump around the time that I, or before that I I actually did. So everyone else was like, yeah, it's about time that you about time you got that jump. But it was sort of expected. But I sort of internally I and we've spoken about this in the past. I do suffer from imposter syndrome a lot, um, and you you do sit there going, you know, the, there was that worry that sort of well, sh should I be doing this? How am I going to look at it? Because sometimes the mid-role doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be managing. It just means you've got more, more responsibility within a project when you, you know, you might be signing stuff off or you might be leading some bits, but you might not actually have um, staff managerial. So some people automatically equate it with, you know, you're going to have a team and stuff like that. That's not necessarily the case, but you will have more responsibility. And generally it's because you've got the experience to do it. People don't, you've got to remember that basically people don't promote you just for fun um, or they shouldn't anyway because that's a cruel joke um, you know generally you've earned that um, promotion because you've shown the competence to be able to do it so 
there is an there is an element there of just have, just having the, the confidence in being able to go and do it. Um, sometimes you just got to wake up in the morning and just give yourself that talk talking to in the mirror that uh, you are that great HF person and you can go and do it. Um, what about you, Nick? When you made that sort of jump, what what was it like for you? You can do it. I think. Okay, so there's there's two I guess pathways that I can see that someone might be able to get to that mid-level from a junior level, right? You have sort of uh, promotion or or soft promotion within a company that you've been working at, uh, kind of moving up the ladder. And then you also have sort of the um, jump from one company to another, but you're jumping up a level. Mm. And I think one is inherently more difficult than the other. I think the jump from company to company is going to be the more difficult option. So I'm going to talk about the easy option first. And this was my experience. So it it very much happens naturally in a in a company where you are sort of putting forth your work. And what happens is they see your work and they say, okay, now I want you to tackle this aspect of a project. And that that is really sort of the mid-level role. I think you uh, sort of enumerated it uh, quite um, quite splendidly. There's sort of, you're not managing people, you're managing a part of a project. And uh, whether that's like a task, a part, um, sort of an investigation into a piece of a project, you're still responsible for that. When you're taking on those responsibilities, you're no longer a worker bee. Um, you are now sort of taking that ownership of that thing. And there are consequences when you don't take ownership of that thing. That to me is mid-level. And that's easier to do when you're in a company and you have people that understand your skill set and can evaluate what you are uh, sort of capable of, of uh, tackling for that mid-level. Now let's, let's look at the other direction, right? This is jumping from a, um, uh, one company to another, but in that jump, you are moving from junior to mid. And this is a little tougher, but I think it's still doable, right? I think there's, again, I think, Barry, what you said is perfect. You know, they're not going to hire you unless they think that, you know, you're capable of doing the job. And so as long as you've been honest in the interview process and you think it's a good match, I think, you know, there shouldn't be any issues. Um, Really, you're going to be either taking on parts and pieces of the project. You're no longer just a worker bee. Now you're sort of a manager of pieces. And then, um, you know, once you start getting to manage people, that's where it gets uh, a little difficult um, because that's even more senior level is when you're managing people and uh, processes and taking ownership of entire projects. It's it's um, That's a different jump and maybe a story for another day. But <laughs> any other closing thoughts on that one, Barry? No, I think fundamentally it's um it's possibly the most exciting jump you can make because again you you're you're not got you're not getting to personnel management which I think is a whole different um tool set it's a whole different um capability set but you're get you're getting to actually have real responsibility for for bits and you can see the return on that you either deliver you deliver it well or you don't um and and that's quite an exciting time you probably don't appreciate it at the time as much as you do when you fondly look back at it um but it is thoroughly make the most of it it's 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 a it's a fun jump to do yeah all right well let's get into this last part of the show this needs no introduction it's one more thing Uh, barry what's your one more thing this week well it, it was an interesting thing for me this week so 
when we so throughout the year we have to do i guess as all of us professionals have to do uh, continuing professional development so you record all the activities you've done in the year your learning you've done and through the cihf we get ours assessed and you get yeah yeah you have the um the profile that you that you the amount of learning you've done and you've reflected on it and all that sort of stuff brilliant and even though i'm an assessor so i assess other people's cpd as well um I still get that nervous moment. So we, we have to submit it all by New Year's Eve. Um, submit it then, and you've got January gets assessed. You still have that nervous moment of what happens if I haven't done enough? What happens if the, whoever's reviewing my stuff has thought, that just doesn't stack up? Um, anyway, I got my email, and thankfully, I've for another year, um, I've passed. I've pulled the wool over their eye. No, I've done sufficient amount of <laughs> CPD to make that work. It should lead me to a question, actually, because I know... Um, in the UK, we've got, uh, with, with the CIHF, it's a chartered body. So we um, are chartered ergonomists. And we, I, we're a very great store behind that. It's, it's brilliant. But actually, do you think chartership means much outside of the UK? Because HFES isn't chartered. So you, you, don't, you don't become a chartered member of HFES. Does anybody care? I don't do you think. I, I, I've never heard of it. And honestly, if yeah. I saw it on a resume, I don't know if I'd pay much attention to it. That's what I was thinking as well. Um, it's an interesting one. It's, it's, it's an interesting discussion to have because because it's the chartership is a fairly recent thing within within the CHF. Because I'm a chartered ergonomist and I'm a chartered engineer, which is also even more rare. Um, but in other exciting news, I'm going back to my getting two for one um, approach. Um, two more my things. yeah, my um, took on a new member of staff this week. Um, it was my daughter. Um, I saw the picture on LinkedIn. That's I know it's awesome. It just feels I've just worked out how to um, rather than recruiting new staff, you just grow them. It's much grow easier. Them. You raise them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, teach so them from been, birth to be a human say, factors. I've been teach, teaching her human factors strategies and skills since basically she was in the in the in the crib and now it's come to all that investment has come to fruition. So no, it was it was a really interesting time. So she's um she's starting with us two days a week in between now and her starting university. Um, and so, and she's doing three different areas of the business so she can pick some of that up. It was just a really proud moment. And, um, I, I can't wait. In fact, I've, I've even written her into her first bid. And so she, she's more of an artsy background and we've just put in a proposal for a, an artsy piece of work. So yeah, if we get it, then that'll be quite interesting. That's awesome. So what about you, Nick? What's your, uh, um, one more thing this week? Well, last week, Barry, you and I had a wonderful discussion on the metaverse and what that all meant. And, you know, one thing on my list, uh, it's been on my list for a while. We talked about the Oculus Quest 2, right? And, um, well, it was my birthday this week, and I I went ahead and I, I got one. Yay! Yay! Yeah, no, it's, oh. it's cool. Um, so, so I'm actually really excited about it. Um, you know, there's... Now that I have it in my hands, I have a different assessment of the device than I did even a week ago. So I, I've been pretty positive on this device overall and still am. I think it, it does a lot for convenience of VR. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, 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 the um, I guess, markerless tracking and, and wireless headset is yeah. game changing. Like, I can't Brilliant. understate that. Now, there are some clear uh, I'm sensing a butt here somewhere <laughs> there's some clear oversights with the product I think um I think this is not a full review I'm not fully reviewing this but the the strap is lacking 
Um, you know, I feel like there's stronger straps out there on the market. And mm-hmm. uh, there's some other things like my glasses actually don't even fit uh, in inside this thing very well. I have pretty wide frames. Um, yeah. And so they, they have a hard time fitting. So I've gone and ordered myself a couple mods for it. So I have uh, custom lenses uh, with my custom Ooh. prescription on the way for this sucker. I've mm. also ordered a vent fan for the top of this. So that way, as I'm getting sweaty playing Beat Saber, it'll just suck all that fog right out. And then the third thing I got was a better head strap. And this is one of those halo head straps that kind of sits on your forehead and rests on your back. It has a battery pack on it too. So it'll kind of counterweight this thing. And it'll tighten around my head and my, the back of my head and it won't kind of leave pressure on my eyes. And so uh, with those mods, I'm hoping that this machine uh, becomes sort of my preferred. Um, it, it already is my preferred VR device. I'm really excited about it. That's my one more thing for this week. And that's going to be it for today, everyone. If you like this episode and enjoy some of the discussion about the psychology behind learning, I'll encourage you all to go listen to episode 223. That's where we talk about how AI can improve learning. Uh, comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week for more in-depth discussion. You can always join us on our Slack or Discord communities if you want to chat about VR with me. I'm happy to. Uh, <laughs> you can always visit our official website. Sign up for our newsletter to stay up, the da- up to date with the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there are three things you can do. One, leave us a five-star review. Two, tell your friends about us. Or three, consider supporting us on Patreon. We're two people away from being self-sustainable on Patreon. You could be those two. As always, links to all the socials and our website are in the description of this episode. I want to thank Mr. Barry Kirby for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about listening to this podcast at twice the speed? Well, they can go and find me on Twitter at Baz underscore K or go and hit my podcast at 1202podcast.com. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me streaming sometimes, likely not for mental health reasons, but... Uh, across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it depends. If you're sticking with us, stick around just a little longer. We're going to do a little post show here. Um, yeah, that was great. Uh, I was on time and everything. Yeah, I think I think it's oh, just over. I think it's it. just over. But I can I can cut that. That's fine. Yeah, no, that was good timing. Uh, I thought we could have actually gone on with that main story probably for about another half hour. Um, you think so? I, I yeah. I think there was. I think I, we we found the energy. It, it it came up and we got enthusiastic and motivated. It was there. Um, it was there. I thought it was good. Um, yes. Yeah, so it, it, there is that bit though. I and I I still can't get. Maybe it's because I'm without being disparaging. I'm older and I I, I there's something about just. Um, not being adaptive with the form, uh, but it wouldn't be. I don't think even before this thing came out tonight, it wouldn't really have occurred to me to listen to a podcast or anything like that at a faster speed. You've um, never listened to podcasts at twice the speed. No, no, never have. You mean uh, <laughs> when you used to listen to this show, you would do it at regular speed? At regular speed, and I, I, I wanted every wow. sort of every breath and every nuance that you and Blake were giving us. It's, um, yeah, I, 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 I was all over it. Incredible. Um, but then I guess the the way I consume my podcast is normally when I'm doing other things. So 
driving, you know, driving in, invariably when commuting and things like that. Um, but um, you know, working in the garden or working in the workshop, whatever, I'd have I'd have it on there. So it was always, I, I never just sit there and think, right, I'm going to consume and learn this stuff. Um, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'm going to experiment a bit with that and um, and um, see how that works. Yeah, that's a good point. So, like for me, I got into podcasts when I was commuting four hours a day. Yeah, and so um, sometimes five hours a day. And so, uh, you know, I got to the point where I was listening to like, you know, and and there are many, many great podcasts out there. Um, you know, twelve oh two is uh, the Human Factors podcast is one of them. And so, um, you know, you you find all these podcasts you really like. Mm. And then you're like, oh, shoot, th- this podcast actually recommended another one that I need to listen to. And then and then you go, OK, well, my drive is five hours and I have five hour long podcasts I want to listen to that that works out. But what happens when you add a sixth? Well, it doesn't work yeah. out anymore. Yeah. Now, now you got to find something that you need to occupy your time. And you, it, it's it's so weird because, like, you have five hours a day that you need to kill commuting a day that's 25 hours a week so mm. you have to you have to go out you have to find the stuff to consume and you found it all and now you're like oh this is great and then each one of those has their own recommendations and then you're like okay well oh shoot well maybe 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 i add one more to my list and then that becomes now 26 hours that you have to fill in the course of a week yeah, or the, yeah. the, sorry 26 hours that you have to place within the week you have to fit into 25 hours yeah and then so you might bump it up to 1.25 and now everything's over 25 percent faster and you're like oh okay and and that really doesn't have an impact on on how you perceive like it really doesn't if you if you are listening to this right now well i guess patrons um and if you're watching this after the fact you can do this too play this at one times the speed and then i'm i'm going to speak uh, I'm gonna say this like five times, okay? So play this at one times the speed. 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 Play this at one point two five times the speed. Play this at one point two five times the speed. Play this at one point two five times the speed. Play this at one point two five times the speed. And you'll hardly notice a difference between those two, right? It is so small of a difference that yeah. you you barely perceive it. And so here's the fun part. Another podcast recommends another podcast. And you're like, oh, shoot. Now I have 27 hours worth of stuff that I need to fill in. Okay, well, maybe 1.3 will do it. And then, yeah, no, it's a slippery slope. It is Uh, a slippery slope. And then you get to the point where COVID happens and you're like, shit, I am no longer commuting this long and I need to call my podcasts. Um, and so you cut out what's truly not important and you leave 1202, the Human Factors podcast, on your list. Of course. You um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you try we're to find time be, for it. We're not going to be bothered recording it, that is. So, saying that, we, 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 we're into the um, we're into the zone. I've got, in fact, I've got four interviews lined up. Five interviews lined up. So, because nice. I, I, t- I tend to, I don't publish in January. Um, so, the first one will be coming in the next couple of weeks. So I tend to do, uh, so I sat in February, got all the way through to Christmas now. So, and they're all getting lined up and the people are being very, um, um, very approachable about it. And we got some, everything from, um, 
um, oh, the fa- uh, farming in a um, uh, precise. Uh, I can't remember the actual term for it now. I should know that because I was talking about just a, a basically micromanaging of farming and the human factors involved in that. I've got two uh, two interviews coming up with that, um, and that so this should be interesting. Really. That's so yeah, should. that is interesting. I think one of my favorite episodes that we did on this show was the cybersecurity of smart farms. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah, I it was. Got that one. It was a. Uh, it was pretty interesting because they have like you know, drones that fertilize their crops. And well, what happens if somebody gets access to that drone and fertilizes a competitor's crops that's right across the way? It's like, it's uh, it, it became very interesting. And you have these automated vehicles that like harvest, um, you know, well, what happens when somebody takes control of that automation? Um, it, it was it was an interesting story uh, and and uh, something that I really hadn't considered. So I'm really excited that you're talking to them. Cool. We shall, uh, we shall link that in. That, that, that sounds really useful. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, the, in terms of the twice the speed, so podcasts, I certainly do. I do it for YouTube videos. What? You, so you have not done it with anything? No, not really. Because again, wouldn't YouTube videos just look stupid? Because there's so many things are going much quicker. And therefore you can't, if you're referencing what's going on, on the screen you you're gonna miss stuff surely yeah yes and no so like like the way i do it um let's say it's for something procedural like if it's a tutorial this is what i mm-hmm. do i usually play it at twice the speed and i get the gist of what needs to happen yeah. um and then if i as i'm doing it i might play it back at one times the speed or even slower as I'm doing the thing to reference what they're doing. So I guess the analogy there is speed reading, isn't it? Because I do a lot of speed reading because I read a lot of reports, read a lot of um, stuff like that. But I don't go and read every single word or anything like that. I will speed read the papers, go through them, and literally I I can go through them really, really quite quickly. Just look hunting keywords and all that sort of stuff. And then if you find something interesting, I'm like, ah, file that, file that, file that. And then go back and read that slower time, properly evaluate it, and all that sort of stuff. So, I guess that's uh, sort of the equivalent because I've done um, testing after that as part of a course I was on about how much information I was taking in of that. And surprisingly, I was taking more information in than I recognised because um, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to retain any of this information. I'm just just doing it, but I, but I did. So, I guess it's a, it's analogous. Yeah, and I mean, I, I use it for leisure reading too. You know, I've I um. I used to listen to audiobooks in the car too. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't stopped listening to audiobooks. I just find it so the ones I listen to are a very cinematic experience. You have, you know, music and and like sound effects going on while you're listening to it and character voices. And that's exciting to me because it feels like you're listening to a movie. Yes. Um, yeah. But I also prefer to read along as I'm doing that. So that way, like okay. I can actually get some of the details, at, you know, because if you hear like I read a lot of Star Wars books, obviously, um, <laughs> and and and, you know, there might be like a weird planet name that you're like, how is that spelled? I don't know. And, and yeah, so as yeah. you're reading along with it, you can kind of see, oh, it's this thing. That's what they're talking about or character names are spelled weird. And so like, I want to make sure I'm reading along with the audio that has the lightsabers and the blasters and the music. It's all going. Yeah. And it's exciting. Um, and so, yeah, I think for me, that is why I like to do both and I pair both. And I, 
I've actually toned down. So when I was driving and listening to audiobooks, I used to do two times the speed. Since I've started reading along with them, I've toned it down. I've I've honed in on my reading speed, which is about 1.83 or something. Right. Okay. So like right. I'm I'm reading along at the same pace and it doesn't feel like I'm I'm stressing to read. I'm getting yeah. every word. And and that's nice. Um so I don't know. It's kind of cool to like read at the same pace that it's happening in your yeah, ear. Because yeah, I normally use audiobooks when I, again, when I'm driving. And it, actually, that's why I got back into podcasts because my wife said I was spending way too much on audiobooks, <laughs> um, which is fair. Open the free um, stuff. Yeah. No, I, I, did, I burned the free stuff. Um, I do that quite quickly. Um, but then, sort of, did the whole, you know, doing the audiobooks and that, uh, that was fine. But I was finding that I, if I could get into, you know, you get into that state of, I'm not actually listening to it, it's just happening. You sort of almost, you know, you've fallen into it to a certain extent because that makes it, what I was trying to get get was to get this six, seven hour journey that I was doing to disappear. Um, and so the more I could just let it play and do that, um, I was trying I was trying to escape the drive, I think in many ways. Yeah. Um, and so that was what that was for. And um, I think if I had, I was always wanting to slow it down rather than speed it up to make because again, audiobooks are they're not cheap, um, especially when you go for some of the some of the longer stuff and quite right too because of the nature of what it is that, that I'm not begrudging that at all, but they are still expensive. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's it, it's an interesting concept. I think it's I'm gonna have to play with it and sort of see what happens. Um, yeah, I, I'm so curious to hear about your your more than one point x or one point zero x experience. Mm. I, I shall have to come back and report back next week with a full report and a um, and a quantitative and qualitative analysis. Yeah, uh, and maybe a spreadsheet with maybe a cool um, cool chart or something. Yeah, that'd um, be fun. Oh dear me! It's what else a, is new? I'm trying to think. It's nearly it's nearly January's nearly over already. I know. I can't believe just how quickly that this month has gone. Um. We quite looking forward to sort of next month. Like I said, we 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 put ourselves out there a bit, and um, we might not get the work, but if we do, it'll be quite cool. We because we sort of talked about before, mainly work in defence. We sort of got we've we put ourselves out there for a different client, Ooh. Um, and it is a very different client. It's not something I would normally do, um, and we'll find out. I think we find out tomorrow whether we've got it. So not a really big bit of work at all. It's, really, it's a nice small bit of work, but it'll be such a change. It'll be such a different, um, such a different background, such a different audience, such a different um, type of data that we'll be analysing and presenting. That um, yeah, and it's it's not it's not so. Like I say it's not it, we it's not a money spinner in any way. Um, literally, we're going for it because it's different, and so I'm quite looking forward to that. Quite looking forward to that bit of change, and it'll chime really nicely with the end of this big project that we've been doing, and so it'll be a. Um, Almost a, a change is as good as a break, as, as they say. So that'll be quite exciting to see where, if, um, if that happens. Yeah, I'm excited for you. You got to let me know. Mm. We'll, we'll talk tomorrow. So you, you let me know. Yes, that's true. Yes. If I, yeah, by the time we talk, talk tomorrow, I, I Oh, will, you will know. I, that's great. I, I should know. Yeah. Um, so I've been promised anyway. Um, unless they're too scared to tell me that, that we haven't got it, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is all entirely possible. It is so. So I, I, I want to talk about this thing. This thing is cool. <laughs> when was the last yeah. time you used yours? Um, in fact, I would. I haven't used it this year. 
Um, but then that goes to being as busy as I have been. Busy, uh, right? It's it's yeah. It's only January. Did, yeah, I used it mid December last. Uh, last oh, okay. Time, I um, the uh, you'll have to send me your um, username. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I will for sure do that. But the um, no, I, I really like it. I think the um, the immersion you can get off it for what it is of what it costs, I think is phenomenal. Yeah, um, really. really. Yeah. I mean, like I got the I got the less gigabyte model, so that way I could mm-hmm. spend a little bit more on um, some of the fun upgrades. Yeah, I was about to I was about to blow the four hundred on the. I was like, I can just manage it. I know it's a hassle, but I can do it. It's not that much of a hassle. I, don't, I mean, I don't think we've bust, um, you know, in terms of the software on it, we haven't really bust, and, we, and I didn't really go for the big one either. Um, we haven't really gone for the, any upgrades I, and either. We're generally quite happy with it. There's the, the only thing that annoys me is the steaming up bit. Yeah. It draws temperature. Um, so, so I got to show, man, I got to show you. I Like, once I get it, I'll show you, but it's it's literally just like a little a little vent fan that like plugs into the top it's it's smaller mm-hmm. than this it's probably like this size you just plug it in right to the top and it blows the air out the front it sucks That's it up from the bottom it, yeah. and blows it out the front um and uh yeah i'm really excited for it. it has like it has a longer battery life than this will last you but if you need more battery life on it you can always plug it into the thing and it'll drain it from oh, yeah. that yeah That's um cool. But like I said, the headset that I got, or the, the the Halo that I got, has a swappable battery in the back. Um, That's useful as well, yeah. Oh, so good. The one thing that surprised me, so we've had ours like a, a year now, maybe just over a year. Um, and so I had to do the the battery change in the, the hand controllers for the first time. Oh, yeah. That, that took me a while to work out how to make that happen. Oh. Um, but you just uh, these suckers down. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, but I know that now. Where, <laughs> where were you when I needed to do that? No, I'm just, I'm just for anyone else who's watching right now. You just slide <laughs> the sucker down. Um, I've, um, I've done the uh, on on the on the controllers. I've done the like hack where you wrap it around the top ring, oh, so I've that way, that. Oh, yeah, that way your hand, uh, you know, if you, you throw it. I need to do that for my son. I generally keep on not putting my hands through them. Um, but You're more likely to if it's like this, right? Yeah. Um, that's a, that, that is also a neat idea. I like it. So what, what, what are your games of choice at the moment then? Um, so right now I'm playing Beat Saber. Uh, cool. And, yeah, like and um, yeah. the I've, I've modded it to allow for custom songs, which cool. is okay. yeah. just absolutely game-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, because now you can play basically any song that you can think of. Somebody's, you know, made a cover or somebody's made a, a, a map for. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. I do um, plan yeah. on playing through some of the Star Wars ones. Um, yeah. I've played through Vader Immortal on the PlayStation VR. Uh, I have. I, I might replay it on this. Um, I might just buy it for novelty sake, so I have all the Star Wars stuff on my device because that's something yeah. that I. Oh, anyway, th- there's also Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, which is not available anywhere else, and that's something that I really want to get, um, and will I, I plan to? I just need the time to sit down and do it, um, and it's going to be like I don't know, a weekend where everyone's preoccupied with other stuff, and I can just lock myself in a room and do it. 
doesn't happen anymore, dude. You, you've got small children. I know. One. <laughs> I mean, it might still be somewhat easy. The, uh, man, the biggest, like, drawback to this thing, I got to show you this. So, um, I can't see what you're doing or what your reaction is right now because these are off. But, um, so here's here's the uh, here's the goggles, right? They go yeah. on your face like so. And um, so let me show you how these fit with my glasses. So okay, it, yeah. you try to put them in and just they just they just can't. Um, so like, you know, that's it's sucky because you got to like push from both sides and you got to get it in there. And then like when I take off the glasses it or take off the goggles, they stick like that. So I'm really really looking forward to these um prescription lenses that i got how they, long are uh, they gonna take uh, about a month i think is what they're saying because they got a custom like they're custom to my prescription like yeah that's good um so like i can theoretically just throw these on and it'll be good they um they attach kind of to uh so so the way it works is they will give you a um it's like a ring that goes around these. It kind of fits over okay, the current yeah, yeah. lenses and uh, it has magnets attached. So you can just pop them in. And, and then if you want to, if you need to share it with somebody else, you just pop them off and then they just attach via magnets. Um, Have you got any plans on sharing it at all? I mean, you know, if it's at a party or something and people are curious about VR, you, know, you just throw it around and be like, Hey, here's uh, you can you can be in Star Wars for. It is cool for like when you go and take the you know like I'll go and see my cousins and um, my nieces and nephews and things like that. They they can uh, play with it. They they quite enjoy doing that. Um, but there, yeah, the it'll be interesting to see how it evolves from that because the I wonder kind of where it kind it goes from here. Apart from getting the aesthetics a bit better. Because uh, I think actually the quality of, um, of the VR, I think, is is really good. And the, the difference between the Oculus Rift and that were is as soon as I started playing with the with the Rift, it was very much of a you need a headset. Where's the headset? Why have they not integrated 3D sound into this thing? Um, whereas now they've got that nail, and I yeah. think it, it, it it works just so so well as a consumer product. Um, yeah, I mean but, it's it's got everything. I mean, it's, I'm just, I am blown away the, the fact that you have full-blown VR, no, no cables. No tethers, no, absolutely. Nothing. And, 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 and it, it works. Life on it. You know, it, you don't need to charge it all the time to make it work. It, it's, it's just really cool. And it'll do the see-through stuff, which is, if you can, so you've basically got AR there as well. Yeah. Pretty. I think that'll be the next step with it will be a, um, it'll be better AR version of stuff, um, but no, I'm 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 quite a fan. The the interesting bit, and I was sort of reflecting on this after after last week's um, episode, was you still it's still an event to put it on, so you have to find you know you have to make sure you got space that you got everybody knows that you're going in. Well, it'll recognize that you're you're in a certain space if you've mapped out a space before. It'll recognize that you're in that space. It'll pick up on the cues in the environment. I guess and go, Oh yeah, but, yeah. More what I mean is the so I've got it, I've got it mapped in my bedroom. So we've got um, a significant space, but you still got it right. I'm I'm going to go and play with the play with the uh, with the Oculus. Right, you got to announce it. You you've got to sort of go. Yeah, you've got to get your headspace into it. You've got to go and do it. Then I've got to make sure that you know the yes, I know the space is mapped out, but I've got to make sure all my clothes are picked up off the floor and make sure that the space is physically clear. Then you put it on, and then and then you go and do your thing. Um, 
it's it's still not as easy as just sit at the computer stand up a game right so but yeah. the quality of the entertainment is so much better it is um so it's interesting it's um i mean I, I have downloaded netflix for it as well but i've never really sat there and watched a netflix movie with it um that hasn't been i it, it just hasn't played it for me what i do want to do is download the um the oh the first moon landing the apollo landing because oh, i did yeah. that on on psvr and it was mind-blowing yeah um, i thought it was amazing so i wanted to download it on this and because there was an iss um simulator that you can get i think it's free Ooh. um and i thought it would be amazing it just give it some sickness have you uh, have you played around with side quest at all no no not so at all. it's it's the service uh that allows you to side load like um not other content yeah other content there you go yes. uh, onto this thing <laughs> i was gonna say not officially sanctioned um <laughs> Yeah, I, I've played with that a little bit, and uh, that's where I got the modded Beat Saber from. Um, uh, like I cool. said, that was that is, easy, was that easy to do? A slight learning curve. Um, yeah, I mean, like I was able to do it in a couple hours. Like you oh, know, okay. yeah, so in- I I think if I had somebody handhold it, there were some very good tutorials that I found that um, yeah. really helped. I was trying to do it mobily, um, and that's okay, different yeah, yeah. than PC, and I had some unique. Um, I guess requirements that made that necessary, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, it's not too bad. Um, I'm looking up. I do want to try. There's a there's a way to turn on pass through if you tap the yeah. side of this thing, and I haven't figured out how that works. Like I've turned on the option, but it just won't like allow me to pass through. I can see I can see right now, right? Yeah. Um. Oops, that's not it. But that's it. If they can get that working reliably, and yeah, and I mean, like it's it's still you know gray. It's uh, what is it? Black and white. So like you know, I'm not seeing anything of anything of uh, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Value here. Is this is this good content? I'm just sitting here in VR, and you're just like talking (laughs) to me. Is that? It's the. uh, I mean, I guess that would be. Could we be doing it maybe a year's time doing this recording, but actually doing it in VR rather than doing it? You know, I was just like about it. to bring us up um, in VR. So we're we're recording this live here. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us up in VR here. Oh. VR, so oh yeah, there I am. Wow, I am. Oh, that's really unflattering. <laughs> I don't know. See, look, my glass is stuck in. Um, so I don't know if you can see oh, inside. Okay. Inside the uh, wait, you see through my prescription. I don't think your prescription is going to be a problem. Yeah. I think the, <laughs> the lens itself. Here, yeah. let's see. Uh, I don't know. You can't see. No, you can't. Nah. No, I can see oh, you can right see the loading. Forward. But uh... anyway, yeah, I was no, watching no, us in VR over here. That was kind of fun. And uh, but I wonder, I wonder if, we, if we could do it so we have um so we actually wear the goggles and actually do this discussion in a virtual space you know that'd be kind of cool like uh like, so there's like vr chat we yeah i think we could, there's got to be something around that we as a, as a special event or something we, we could uh try and do something um, special yeah special human factors cast vr 
event. If that's something that anyone listening to this or watching to this, watching this uh, is interested in, let us know. We can. And I didn't want to sponsor. You know, knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, no, I think we spoke um, the other uh, the other week about doing um, some sort of joint event, um, HFES and CIHF stuff. And I know you spoke to your people, I spoke to my people. Yes. And um, we, I think we, I think I think we could get something going here. Oh, so exciting! We, so we'll chat about it more tomorrow. But I think there's um, there is definitely an appetite out there for doing something town hally or something like a that. collab. A collab, and I think I think it'll be quite a, quite quite a good laugh. Yeah, I think um, so too. So we can all like busy mock each other's accents and um, and things like that because isn't that what you do when you do multinational collaborations? That is what we do. But uh, it's got a fancy accent over there. Yeah, we we also have, do like sort of humor much better as well. Um, irony. Uh-huh. Ah, yes, yes. Americans I, don't. Amer- you Americans don't get irony. Um, well, yeah, I, I think it's an. Um, I, I think that's a generalization, but I think it's an appropriate <laughs> generalization. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, there, there is, is a... actually considering there is quite. You know, when you when you talk about the difference between the U, UK and US, and you know, we, I spent time. I got married in the US, um, and so we spent time in both. You'd think that. You know, there is some significant culture differences. There is some significant um, background differences, but actually, they don't really come up that often. And I, I wonder whether it is the pervasiveness of, you know, different. Um, you know, we have so many like American TV shows over here and things like that. That actually, most of it just get, gets knocked out. And you just don't notice it. Um, it was more when we came over and visited, and actually, not so much on holiday, but stayed with um, my in-laws who were living over there at the time. We actually got to live with, you know, basically live in real communities not jewish communities that, right um, you started noticing them differences which were which were quite uh, quite interesting yeah um, interesting is one word for them yeah. it's um no I, I, we thoroughly enjoyed we thoroughly enjoyed it um we were I, I think it was probably one of the earliest shocks for me was um i guess the was the attitude to alcohol that's interesting so we um we were in st louis so obviously you go to the um uh, Budweiser factory and do the Budweiser tour, and um, we also got to we, we went to some um, uh, friends' houses and stuff for 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 drinks and stuff afterwards, uh, which was all very nice. And um, and we went to this one guy's house and it was it was good fun. And he would you like a beer. I was like, yeah, I'd love a beer. That would be brilliant. Thank you. He opens up his fridge. We're in the basement, obviously. He opens up the fridge. What beer would you like? And he had Bud, Bud Light, Bud Extra Light, Bud Super Light, and Bud. I'm fairly sure he's got alcohol and he saw it maybe three weeks ago or something like that. And um, so obviously from a UK perspective, we just drink Bud and we think Bud's quite weak anyway. Um, and so I was like, oh, like a Bud. Oh, I'm not, oh, we, we, we can't drink that super strong stuff. That's not, okay. <laughs> um, and it's just, again, it's, it's just a different attitude to um, um, to, to alcohol. Which I, I, I don't know. I've, I've never heard that. <laughs> I've never heard Bud Light as being strong. Yeah, well, this was uh, this was an, uh, an experience for me. So, yeah, but it was uh, it was it was quite good fun. Um, and I quite like because we got married in St. Louis. I quite like to go back to St. Louis again. Um, can't see how the place has changed since we've been married quite a long time. Now. Yeah, maybe HFES will go there one year. You can come on over. 
we we should yeah we should try and sort something out so we do some sort of joint yeah thing in person in person where hfes pays for it all yes yes there you go there we go i'm so um all right well i think it's it's midnight for you so it's my bedtime now so it is your bedtime yes I think we'll so, go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everyone, if you've been sticking around with us for the entire duration of this uh, rambling human factors, uh, people rambling uh, thing. event yes. thing that we call a podcast. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. And uh, if you are interested in the lab again, I'll plug that. Let us know. See you. Yeah. Yeah. Reach see out. you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, maybe. Cool. All right, then I, I shall say good night and um, I shall, well, speak to you tomorrow. All right. Goodbye, cool. everyone. Thank you for Bye, tuning everyone. in. Bye. See you next week.